On this episode of the Aka Education Podcast, I speak with Ryan Stumpkes of Gale Ettrick Tremplow High School in Wisconsin about efficient rehearsal techniques. Ryan goes in-depth on the five-step process he uses with his award-winning group Vocal Point on how to maximize your time and bring your ensemble to new heights. Let's get ready. It's time for some Aka Education. It's the Aka Education Podcast. The Aka Education Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 17 of the Aka Education Podcast. I'm Justin Glodish and here with me this week I have Ryan Stumpkes. He is the choral director at Gail Ettrick Trempolo School District in Wisconsin. He teaches TTBB choir, treble choir, mixed choir, careers in music. He's the musical and stage director for all high school musicals and of course oversees two acapella groups, Out of the Blue and Vocal Point. Ryan, welcome to the Aka Education Podcast this week. Hey Justin, thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. You have a really extensive resume in your 15 years of being the choral guy at GET. Um, you're in charge of, you know, vocal point out of the blue. Like I said, you have been, uh, your group's been on PBS. You performed at Carnegie Hall. Um, could you just go, um, we're talking about rehearsal techniques and how to handle getting the most out of your students in rehearsals. So th- what I want to ask you because I'm always learning, what is your rehearsal process like with your students? Um, my rehearsal process, I guess, has changed over the years. Um, you know, obviously, when you start out and you have a, a first-time group, um, it, it's it's got to be less strenuous uh, as opposed to now I'm going into year nine or whatever of of having vocal point, and it's kind of changed throughout the years. Um, you know, where it was just everyone comes to rehearsal and it's your typical choral rehearsal, really, you know, uh, you spend, um, pick on the tenors for a little bit, you spend about 45 minutes with the tenors in rehearsal, and then uh, the, the five minutes uh, you spend with the rest of the group, and then they're out of there. So everyone's kind of sitting around and, and you know, you get maybe two or three songs mastered and, and ready to go by December or January. And it's just this slow, brutal process. And you look around and, and you notice that kids are, are having fun once it's put together. But that whole process between that, you can just see how um, how slow it, it's 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 slow, and the kids sometimes you, you lose them, um, and uh, so you know you noticing that as you go, but then also understanding like this is a new program, and I don't want to start things too fast. So you're just taking it inch by inch, you know, minute by minute, day by day, and uh, obviously you you I started to find that I had a pretty good strong core kids that. Uh, we're, we're really into it. You know, they want to do more music. And, and the biggest thing that I can suggest to any educator out there, if they're trying to do acapella group or honestly anything, and I would really like to do the, do these things with my, my big traditional choirs, but there's so many kids, it gets expensive, but that's, that's get out and listen to other groups, um, get in front of other groups, uh, you know, with your group, your group itself, but not only you get in front of groups, but just watch other groups. And I think that was the, that was the light bulb moment. I would, I started taking my students to, um, festivals, um, in Wisconsin, then outside of Wisconsin. And, um, and then, you know, uh, it, it ended up being 
you know, knack in Memphis and, you know, all these different things. And, and uh, I entered the uh, ICHSA um, many years ago for the first time. And it was just basically like, it was a carrot, like, Hey, you know, like, and my kids wanted to prove themselves that year too, because um, we had just got done doing something uh, in Cincinnati called the world choir games. Um, and uh, that was the first year in 2012 that I like put my group together and I gave them a big carrot. I made it a big deal. We were the only uh, school to represent the state of Wisconsin. And, um, you know, the, the school just blew it up. We had, you know, then all of a sudden the media caught wind of it. And it was just kind of getting that, that in motion, getting people to notice us and then getting the kids to um, understand like, Oh, people are noticing us. This is, this is a pretty cool thing. It's not just sports now in our school. It's, it's, it's this music thing too. And um, so, so we prepared all year long and, and because I had that carrot at the end of the year and it was July, July 4th, I think was the world choir games um, because we had that carrot all the way to, to July um, I set up all these other performances to get the kids out there. I set up all these festivals for them to watch other groups and get better and, uh, and kind of secretly getting them to do these things without complaining about them, you know, right. Uh, because they want to do their best when they got to, when they got to Cincinnati and, and, you know, I had that carrot all year long. Well, uh, we, we, it was successful. The, like the, the whole mentality of the group, just, you know, we all came together as a group and they wanted to do more, but then I heard over summertime, the kids are like some of the seniors, well, now what? I, I think I, you know, might as well, I, I think I'm just going to quit. There's not really nothing to do now. Like mm-hmm. I, I made it such a big deal and these kids, kids are trying to, you know, they, they wanted more to do. So I'm like, well, I reached out, I, I just Googled top acapella groups in Wisconsin and came across my, my good friend now, Dennis Gephardt over on right. the uh, East side of the state who has limited edition is doing some awesome things there. And, mm-hmm. and I found out that they had won the ICHSAs, you know, a few years back before, before I contacted him. And so, yeah, I, I reached out to him and he suggested the international championship of high school acapella. And, um, we kind of became friends that year. He kind of like coached me through things and all that kind of stuff. We get to the ICHSA and this is kind of where I'm, where I'm going with this. We get to the ICHSA and we realized like, wow, like we are, we were way better than we thought we were, you know, mm-hmm. and not, not like a, a gloating type of we're better than this group. It was more of a, Oh, we can, compare we compare to bigger schools and this is kind of cool and um we competed against forte um out of uh centerville ohio which yep. now I'm, I'm super great friends with ben spaulding there and he does amazing jobs with forte mm-hmm. um and uh and so we competed against forte that year and they we were seventh they went eighth and we had got to that seventh place we performed we thought we were doing like, like awesome we felt good about it um <laughs> And then Forte came out and just <laughs> blew us away. Like, but the kids knew it in a yeah. good way. They were like cheering for him and they were just like, oh my God, this group is amazing. So we get, we, we play second, they place first. We get back from that performance um, after we got back from, uh, yeah, from Ohio or wherever we were, Michigan. And uh, the next day in rehearsal, the kids are like, we want to do that. We want to, we want to do that on stage. Right. We want to be like, like Forte. And I'm like, all right, well, here's the deal. If you want to be like that, it takes way more work than what you just put in. Right. It takes a lot of work. So my point is I got them to a point where they were watching enough groups and watching some really, really talented groups. And then they all, all of a sudden got that bug, you know, the bug that we all have when we see music, They're mm-hmm. like, we want that. 
So that was the carrot then. It was just like, we want to be good. We want to take pride in what we're doing. And um, from just taking them to festivals and events and competition, all of a sudden I like channeled this, this really cool thing that, that started kind of, um, you know, going throughout the group. And the next year they wanted to be better. Mm-hmm. So that, that year then is where I really kind of, I mean, really cracked down. I said, if you want to do what they just did or what you've seen, here are the steps that you got to do. And it wasn't until I took my kids to the National Acapella Convention in Memphis for the first time where I took them into um, a um, a workshop with J.D. Frizzell and his group, uh, One mm-hmm. Voice, and he taught about the rehearsal process right. um, and, and uh, how he uses all these steps. And, um, and, and my kids were blown away. They're like, Mr. Stumpies, this is cool. This is, we got to do this. And I was like, yeah, I know we do. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, yeah. So um, it, right after that, we came back and I, I, I started using um, his process and, and, and um, I want to, I owe, you know, a lot of my rehearsal uh, process to, to JD mm-hmm. um, uh, for, you know, helping, uh, helping me with that and just helping others, you know, share that process. It really does work like we can get into that process if you'd like to you know like i mean it's absolutely you know one of the first things that you had actually said was you know you found yourself working with one specific group for most of your rehearsal and it just felt like it was a slog you know and i'm sure i mean i'm i'm one of those educators who you know has experienced (laughs) that you know my middle school group actually was one of the two that participated in the ichsa this past year but it was you know, they saw it and then they wanted it more. But again, it's like my rehearsal process was, you know, woodshedding. They needed to go home and do as much as they could, came back and we needed to make sure that it was better. But like, I want to hear this process because I, I want to make sure that um, I'm getting the maximum, you know, effort from my group as well. So can you please actually talk about this process? Sure. Um, so like the very, the number one thing is like you said, it's like all this woodshedding, it's all this time in rehearsal, just plunking notes out and just getting kids to sing the right pitches. Um, and most of that, when you do that in a rehearsal, like our group rehearsal rehearses Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings at seven o'clock until eight o'clock extracurricular activity. They don't get a grade for it. Um, so early on, it was just them coming in and drilling parts and then they didn't look at their music. And then the next time we came back, it was literally, oh, we, we forgot. Now it's right. playing catch up, for, catch up for 45 minutes. So the key ingredient here is just to knock those notes and rhythms out as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's my main goal. So that's step one uh, in this five-step process that I use. Um, it's just knocking all of those notes and rhythms out as fast as you possibly can. Now, a lot of educators are like, oh, well, you know, like if you knock those out as fast as you possibly can, like, where's the educational point of it? Where's the, you know, aren't you supposed to be teaching them these things? And um, well, most of the time when you have a group that's an acapella group, it's some of your top singers. Right. Um, so you're, they're usually getting that within the choral classroom, the curricular classroom anyway. So I don't really worry too much about, um, you know, really going over tons of theory because these kids know it. Right. Okay. We do talk about it. We do use it within the rehearsal process, but it's never, we're going to spend time, you know, talking about, you know, uh, you know, these triads or, or these chord progressions or whatever. We talk about it because they, they, they know it. And the more you talk about it, the more you develop those skills. So the, the key ingredient is to get all those notes and rhythms uh, hash out as, as fast as possible. And the way that I do that um, is a number of ways. I tell the kids, I want you to learn these parts the best way you know how to learn them. 
mm-hmm. instead of fighting with them. Nope. You got to look at that music the entire time and sight read it the whole time. Or, you know, kids all learn differently. And I think that us as music educators have to understand that. So um, my philosophy is however they can learn these parts. Great. And like I said, they're getting a lot of this stuff in my choral classroom anyway. Right. Um, so some kids are great sight readers and some kids are learning how to sight read and they need that extra help, whether mm-hmm. it be me at the piano or what I do is I use voice parts. I use tracks, right. you know, and each kid has a track. And I think it's super important that um, when you're when you're doing arrangements and you're giving arrangements to kids is that they, they have their voice parts um, and they're able to practice whenever they want. And again, I'm going to kind of debunk some of those educators like, wasn't that cheating? What's where's the educational value in that? Where's the educational value in in being in a rehearsal with a tenor for 45 minutes plunking the same part? There is no educational value. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is we want to maximize that rehearsal time for everyone in the rehearsal. So my my philosophy is I want everyone in that rehearsal to be doing something almost every second of that rehearsal. So we're not losing time. And and to do that is they all have to come pretty much with their notes and rhythms prepared mm-hmm. um, with their voice parts. And um, we can talk about that later on too. If you, if we want, if, if viewers out there or listeners out there want to know how I create those and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's step one. It's, it's getting those notes and rhythms uh, as fast as you possibly can. And um, step one, most of the time, like early on, you probably want to do that during your first rehearsal. So right. think about your rehearsals as five rehearsals. And within five rehearsals, I have a song up and running. So that first process then is just really, like I said, just getting those notes and rhythms. You're going to say that tons and tons of times, but it's <laughs> so, so important um, to do that first. Well, it is the foundation. I mean, you have to know the notes and rhythms before anything else can come about. Absolutely. Yeah. So then um, I have them learn all those parts. First off, you want to teach them how to rehearse on their own. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind everyone that, remember, you're dealing with high school students. You're not dealing with college students. Like, think about when you were in college as a music educator. You literally had to learn how to rehearse by yourself. Right. And so you, you, I'm teaching these students how to rehearse on their own. So it takes a little bit of time, you know. Um, you know, if you think you have it, go over it again, you know. Uh, set aside 15 minutes. If you got it in 10 minutes, well, you got five minutes left. Start memorizing. Do something. Always be doing something. Um, and, and just, you know, just taking them through how rigorous learning notes and rhythms are. It, it's a repetition. I compare it to um, the coach saying, all right, uh, the basketball coach saying, all right, last 15 minutes, we're going to shoot free throws. Well, you don't just make one free throw and go to the locker room and say it's good. Right. <laughs> you keep shooting those free throws until you have that rhythm, that pattern down mm-hmm. so that when you're in, when it's game time, you don't have to think about it. Same thing uh, with the notes and rhythms. So uh, first, that first step, then um, I'll have them do that first step for a few songs in rehearsal. So I'll have them all break away, break, break off. And um, we'll take, I'll say, all right, got an hour of rehearsal here. First 45 minutes, you're going to go practice your parts. You're going to come back and we're going to see how much we got. Mm-hmm. My kids now over time are to a point where we skip step one in rehearsal. They come with those parts already learned. Right. So then we jump to step two and step two is trouble spots. Those, those are the spots that you really want to work, mm-hmm. you know? Those are the those are the things that you're working like what a week before concert sometimes, and you're trying to, you know, knock all knock all those trouble spots out. Well, we come to that first time we're in that rehearsal, and we're trying to knock out all of those trouble spots. Trouble spots might be intonation. So now we're already looking and listen and hear, listening for tuning and all that kind of stuff. It might just literally be tough rhythms. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. We spend 20 minutes all together. And I'm going to repeat myself all together, not just one group working on something all together, focusing on that one pattern or that one specific spot in the piece of music and uh, really have time to, to concentrate on that. And, uh, and then at the end of rehearsal of that, that, step two rehearsal, I will have, we'll sing it one more time and I'll say, all right. And we use iPads. We're a one-to-one school, Mm -hmm. um, which is, has been awesome, but you can still do this with other, you know, with with sheet music and stuff too, but I'll have them. Okay. Last time, everybody, we're going to go through this piece of music. I want you to be truthfully and like really honest with yourselves. I want you to start circling as fast as you can, all the spots that you think you have wrong. And then, um, they get done singing. I'm like, all right, every place you just circled, that is corrected by the next time you come back. Mm. So we'll come back the next rehearsal. Now we're on to step three. And uh, step three is making it musical. Now we've, we've only been together for three rehearsals and now we're already talking about dynamics. We're talking about where the piece is going, where, where's, where's it building up to. Okay. What, what's happening with these, these voice patterns, you know, where, where are we balancing? So we talk about dynamics too, and we could spend all day talking about um, just how to create something and make it musical. But, um, you know, everyone knows when you're doing acapella music, there are some parts that need to come out more than others. So right. when, when I say I need this part to be uh, forte, well, maybe not everyone's singing forte. The whole, that, that part of the music needs to sound forte, but maybe your altos are doing, doing some pads or something that don't need to be that, that loud. Um, so we all kind of figure out where we are within that piece of music. So then that rehearsal, I'll have them mark down what number, level number, and I use one through 10, mm-hmm. one being the softest, 10 being the loudest. I have them mark in their score what number they are in certain sections. So if they go from singing background vocals to then singing pads, it may look like a seven in one place and then a two in the, in the next measure because mm-hmm. we're going in and out. So we talk about the importance and we talk about um, how these arrangements are built too. We get a chance to talk about who, who needs to be sticking out here. And if you are singing background vocals, then all of a sudden you jump to something else. you got to back away, you know, and I'm sure that you've, you've heard groups and I'm, I'm sure you're dealing with it right now with middle schoolers. It's they maybe have their notes and rhythms down, but it just sounds like a gob of sound coming. Yeah. Out. Yeah. It's, it's literally like, it can be just one dynamic going all the way through. So um, yeah, you really need to play around with that musicality because I think that leads to more meaning of what the piece is actually about. And it makes it, it makes it more appealing to the audience and to the listener, I think. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And, and when you say meaningful, that's where we're getting uh, eventually here because um, my goal, and I tell this to all the students is we want to perform music the way we listen to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I mean, what I mean by that is when you listen to something that you absolutely love, like you're listening to it because of the the feelings it's giving you, right? Whether it's an up-tempo song, you just kind of want to jam out or if it's, you've had a bad day and you want to listen to someone else singing about a bad day, or you want, or you're having a bad day and you want to listen to someone having a good day, all of those different things, but it brings some sort of feeling that we can, we can really connect to. And, and that's what draws us to music. But what I was finding and what I think a lot of people, a lot of educators find, and even when we were in college, I was finding it too, um, is that when we don't prepare music to the best of our ability, we don't become the music. We don't have those feelings. 
we we have the feelings of all right oh my god here comes that one part that we always screw up on oh there it was oh we're out of tune there and okay that's done with all right okay smooth sailing for a little bit oh i'm enjoying this section oh wait here comes the wrong notes again like we we go in and out of these feelings of being in the music and then being totally disconnected right so that is why we want to get those notes and rhythms. That is why we want to get those trouble spots figured out. That is why we want to get the tuning. That's why we want to get those musical moments ingrained into our heads so that we can, and like I said, you kind of nailed it, get to the the, the feelings and the emotions uh, of what the audience wants to hear and feel. And you as a performer should be feeling that, you know, right. um, you know, you, you listen to any of the famous artists and, and some of the really, really good stuff that people are drawn to. They're drawn to it not only because the, the piece of music's awesome, but because they're singing it with feeling and heart. Mm-hmm. And um, once we get past step three, which is the musicality, is step four. And that is connecting with your audience. I call it knocking down that fourth wall. Mm-hmm. And um, and. And this is where it gets really fun. This is where us educators want to get to with music. Um, And and that is where we get a chance to maybe take a break from rehearsing for a a rehearsal. And we sit down and be like, all right, we've worked really hard on this piece of music. What are we singing about now? Mm -hmm. You've heard how it builds in certain places and you've heard how what we're doing in these certain sections. But why is it doing that? Have you listened to the solo? Because we're all singing background vocals here. And sometimes it's super important to go over the solo. Um, and, and what the song, and we listen to the original and sometimes I'll just sit there and, and we'll have the lyrics and I'll have the solos read the lyrics as if they were speaking it and, uh, go around the room and, and ask, you know, students, what, what do you think this song's about? Mm-hmm. And they'll just come up with some ideas and then I'll go online and I'll just actually tell them what they, like what the artist wrote it about. Um, and then I said, but I go, but it doesn't matter what they wrote it about. What are we feeling with this song as a group? And I, and I make sure that we connect as a whole ensemble too. I said, I want to make sure, and I go, everyone in here maybe has something different, a different story, but we go around and make sure that everyone tells that story. And I tell the kids, it's important you tell that story because when you're on stage and all of a sudden you glance over at, at so-and-so, you, you connect for a second, you instantly know what each other's thinking about, and it becomes a more emotional experience for you. And then that comes off and plays out towards the audience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so step four is really my favorite um, because one, it gives a chance for the kids and you to connect to the music, but then you, for you as a director to connect with your students, like, I right. think that's huge. Um, and I don't, I, I think that a lot of educators when you only have rehearsals twice a week are so busy, like I said, banging out those notes and rhythms and right. it, it just becomes super hard to get to that point. Um, and, and, and then sometimes in step four, then we'll also insert like blocking. Right. Um, I don't call it choreography. Um, I just call it blocking um, because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I, that's just me. I, I don't like all the flashy dancing per se. Right. Um, I just like something, I like something that's going to just add to the story. Mm-hmm. So we're not moving for no particular reason um, or we're moving just to, to set the, to set the stage up a little bit differently. So we're, we sing first verse chorus, and then all of a sudden we'll shift to another side, side of the stage just to kind of keep the, the listeners eyes interested as well as their ears right and so we'll we'll block some stuff out some things will be choreographed but we'll block some things out in step four as well and then step five um i think we forget to do this sometimes perform it man perform your music right perform it wherever you possibly can don't make that first performance that competition or that big festival that you're going to perform at go into your district office and sing for the 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 folks that are you know 
paying the bills for the school that don't see kids, you know, go into the, the cafeteria, uh, you know, at your local middle school and go in there and sing for those, those students. If you're a high school group, um, even middle schoolers, right. Just sing, sing as many places that you can, because the first, second, third, fourth times you sing a song, it's never going to be perfect. I mean, anytime you sing a song, it's never going to be perfect, but you're going to get those jitters out. You're going to know what it feels like to get to the whole song and not stop or not have your director barking at you, you know, (laughs) Um, while, while you're making mistakes. So I I really feel that that fifth step is super important. So, I mean, to kind of, uh, recap, you know, step one is notes and rhythms. Step two is fixing all your trouble spots with those notes and rhythms. Step, uh, three is, um, making it musical, adding the dynamics and understanding where your voice part fits. Step four is, um, connecting to the piece of music, knocking down that fourth wall or doing some kind of blocking as well. And fifth step, just perform, perform, perform. So that's kind of my process in a nutshell. Yeah, I I think it's a great process. You know, you mentioned the the meaning and the blocking and then the performing. I I, I think for most educators, you don't really get to that until the week before, you know, the big winter concert or the big spring concert. You don't really get that by your third rehearsal. So, I mean, I think all of, to me, all of this makes sense. And I'm hoping to be able to use it with my students because I, I think the, the process, once they get into feeling that process and they become, edu- you know, I teach middle school. So my hope is that these students will learn this process now to take with them to the high school. And when they're working with their high school director, you're now strengthening the overall program, um, you know, of your entire district. And, you know, that gets more eyes on you know, what you're doing and what your district is doing to make sure that your performances are strong. You know, you had made mention that with your group, um, when you went to your first competition, how they wanted that. And then all of a sudden, you know, things started snowballing and people in the community started noticing them more. You know, many communities, you, you said the S word, you said sports, many communities focus on sports. They don't really look at at music as much as they look at sports. So to be able to use this process to really put them out there and give them as much opportunities to perform as possible. They're making that name for themselves. And then it it doesn't really become a competition. It really just helps the district. It puts the district in a good light to help them grow. And uh, it makes the community uh, more involved, I think, as well. So I wanted to ask you, because you had mentioned that you had worked with uh, Dennis Gephardt, uh, who was also in Wisconsin. You've traveled to Cincinnati for World Choir Games. Um, you've done Lincoln Center. You've done you know New York City trips coming from Wisconsin. So um, you travel a lot. How does your group go about you know raising money and funds to be able to do the amazing things that you do? Well, we talk, I mean, we just got done talking about the snowball effect and that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened. So w- when you produce something that is good i mean people notice and when kids work hard you know they notice that people are noticing and that fuels them as well and um you know maybe i'm just lucky maybe i got lucky um but and maybe it's because i'm from a small town because i i I preach to my kids all the time just because you're from a small town now uh, doesn't mean you can't do big things and uh, so my school only has 400 students at it that's it Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and just to really, it's three towns that are connected, um, into one high school. Um, so, so maybe it's that small town mentality of, you know, they, you know, we can't do this. We can't, you know, they can't do that. And the kids proving themselves wrong. But, um, once you're noticed, more people want to hear from you right. and, uh, it, it just kind of, uh, snowballs into, uh, something that, um, 
you're, you're constantly getting booked. So at first I was just reaching out to people like, Hey, I've got this group and they would love to perform. And then it kind of turned into like, Hey, we're doing, we're representing this whole state of Wisconsin at the world choir games with 77 other countries. Hmm. And the new, then a newspaper catches wind of that. And then people read that. And then, then I'm getting phone calls to have them perform at this and that and whatever. And, and, and as, as that momentum starts going, you know, it, it just, you know, we perform at one show and then someone sees us there and they want us to do something else for their, you know, other event. And this person sees us and then they want us to do this and that. And that's kind of what happened is like, I, I used step five. We just performed a lot. Right. And um, the more we performed, the more momentum we gained, like I said, newspapers. And then um, I befriended my local, uh, uh, my local news station anchor. And he had just like, like latched onto us. And so he mm-hmm. would do reports on us. And, and um, so those are, those are really key people in, within your community to, to try to figure out how to, how to promote your, your group that way. And then, like I said, more and more people keep noticing you and pretty soon I'm in year four and I've got all of these people calling saying, hey, can you perform at these, these, these events? Mm-hmm. And I've just, I got to turn some down. And so uh, we just decided that I'm going to put some sort of like fee or quote unquote donation um, right. on it. And I usually ask for a $350 or more donation um, to support our travel needs, our arrangements, all that kind of stuff. And um, over the years, that's how we raise a lot of our money. To be mm-hmm. honest with you, um, we will, we will do gigs uh, for no less than 350 um, and, um, you know, use that money, um, to go towards arrangements and traveling and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, and then all of a sudden one of those gigs turns into a bigger gig. And like last, last, uh, February, right before we closed down, um, we performed in Minneapolis at this, this huge gala event, in downtown Minneapolis for like 1200 people. Um, they hired us to come in, they paid for a hotel, um, and they paid us like a thousand bucks to do the gig. And we sang oh, wow. three songs three songs, three songs like for pitch, a thousand bucks. Yep. Pitch oh. perfect theme. They wanted a pitch perfect theme. They're like, we want these three songs. I'm like, we can do that. Um, and we came in and then because of that, then someone else calls us. And unfortunately we got to that point of the year and we had to shut it down. But, um, that's how we, 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 uh, we're able to do some things with the group is like, that's half of like probably half or a little over half our budget right there is, um, just getting some of these donations. And, and like I said, maybe I'm, I'm, I got lucky with where I'm at. Um, but I really do feel like if you gain momentum, uh, and you start putting, um, some, you know, asking for some donations, like people are gonna, people are gonna do that. They're gonna see, wow, these kids are amazing. Like these are, these are high school kids, you know, these are young adults, they're representing their community. Awesome. Um, and and it just happens. It starts to happen. So, um, yeah, we, we travel a lot. And, um, the only time that I have made my kids pay for anything in the last five years was literally last year for a $300 ticket to Los Angeles Mm. that we, that we got refunded because we weren't able to go. But, um, so for the past four or five years, I haven't, had to pay much for anything. And that was to due to gigging. And then the other half of that is all of a sudden my school district started noticing like, Oh, we're being noticed like on a national level here, you know, going right. to finals, um, being on our local news channels. Um, we, we just got done about a year and a half ago and it just aired in March. We did a PBS Wisconsin documentary. Mm. Um, and, and so my school looked at that and said, well, we're, we're being, re- these kids are being recognized. Like, you know, let's help them out. Let's help this group out some more. So like 
now I have like a, a travel budget that the school gives us. Nice. Um, uh, you know, $3,000 travel budget. Um, so that's really how we do it. Um, you know, it's, it's all about just, like I said, that people recognize good things and they're, they're, they're willing to, to donate to our group for, for that cause. And then I do, then I do a big acapella festival in January, Mm -hmm. um, where I invite groups in, bring a clinician in, um, and then those groups then get to perform on our stage with lights and state-of-the-art um, sound system and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff to give them that real that really cool experience and uh, you know sell tickets cheap for ten or fifteen dollars a piece and I pack pack the house full of seven hundred people and um, there's a, a good profit right there too. So nice, I, that's that's phenomenal. Uh, that one that your administration and your district recognize that and then give you a like basically a line in the budget uh for travel which is just it's it's unbelievable it's pretty sweet now you made mention of uh the documentary and i actually wanted to talk to you about the documentary because um i think it's fantastic can you go a little bit more into um the documentary that your group was a part of sure yeah um oh maybe like three years ago um and i'm gonna refer to dennis Gephardt again like we've been we've become really great friends um he's been doing uh a festival called Acapocalypse mm-hmm. um, for many years now, 10 to maybe 10 years. And uh, I've gone to the last, you know, five or six of them. And it wasn't until like three years ago, um, there was a, a PBS got interested in this whole acapella thing. And they came out and scouted the festival and asked questions. And then again, just snowballed into more conversations. And they're like, Hey, we want to come out the next Acapocalypse. And we want to, we want to do a documentary on acapella in Wisconsin, because we think this is something that's, really cool and we want mm-hmm. we want viewers that know nothing about it so the premise is like we want viewers that know nothing about acapella to understand what it is when the program's finished but not only that understand what it feels like to be in high school um being in one of those groups right so it, um they kind of changed what they did over there at pbs wisconsin normally they would just do a concert and mm-hmm. they would just air the concert and show it and that was it um, well, uh, our good friend, uh, Colin Crowley, who works for PBS Wisconsin said, we, I want to, I want a new, a new, a new thing. I want something, I want it to be a little bit different. He's like, I want to, I want, want to make it kind of like a documentary. Mm-hmm. And I want, he said, you know, that was his goal. I want people to really feel what it's like to be in your groups. Um, so they came out for like three months, um, from January until, uh, March or April. And, uh, they came out to our school. Um, they went out to Port Washington on the other side of the state. So Dennis and I, our school, Port Washington is on the far east side of the state, right on Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. Mine is on the far west part of Wisconsin, right on the Mississippi River. Um, so uh, uh, it was our two groups and then um, the Milwaukee School of Arts uh, um, in Milwaukee. Um, and they had more of a vocal jazz acapella group. So they were kind of getting um, a, a taste of, of what's happening in Wisconsin with acapella. So it, they, they came into our schools and uh, documented our, our rehearsals, documented our performances, um, and then culminated all of us in one spot at this acapella festival. And uh, the documentary is put together really cool. It, it features all the groups. They all have their own segments. And then it goes into them singing at the concert. And then it kind of goes in and out of, of those, of those moments. It kind of shows us at the concert live edited really well, mixed, amazing. They had mm-hmm. some really good editors and stuff on there. Cause acapella is really hard to mix on television. Yep. Um, and, uh, and then, um, 
and and then uh, and then they would weave that in between us just being being high school kids, you know, and, and groups and stuff. Um, it's just, a, it, it, it was a lot of fun. And it, like I said, if, if anybody gets a chance to go, go watch it, um, it, it just really, uh, captures what it's like, uh, to be in a group in high school. Um, it just kind of leaves you feeling good. It came out, uh, uh, PBS Wisconsin, March like 25th or something. So right in the middle of all just the, the, the crud, you know, so yeah. it's a really good time for that to come out. But if anybody wants to check it out, um, you can just go to PBS Wisconsin, um, uh, and then or search PBS Wisconsin, go to the PBS Wisconsin website, just, just type in Acapocalypse Oca- or just type in acapella and it'll mm-hmm. come out. It's called Acapocalypse, um, acapella's new note and you nice. can watch the whole, the whole thing. Awesome. I think you actually, you shared the, uh, the link with me. I'm going to throw that right up in the episode description so that people can Excellent. access to it right from there. They also then do, uh, uh, they have some little snippets on, on there too. So, um, uh, you know, doing some other things with the groups and, and one of our featured snippet, the little extras is, mm-hmm. is the rehearsal process I just talked about. Right. So they kind of go through that, um, uh, the whole rehearsal process, um, in there as well. So. And I think one of the cool things that actually that I enjoy about, um, the documentary aspect of it is that, it's raw and it's real. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think most people might remember a few years ago, Lifetime had a television series um, called Pitch Slapped, um, which kind of pitted two high school groups yep. from Jersey. Um, and it kind it didn't really feel as, as real as it could have been. It felt like almost like it was a scripted situation going on, but the documentary itself is, uh, is great. And um, I think people should really go and check it out um, and kind of get good idea of what's going on in Wisconsin. Um, I want to get back to your rehearsal uh, process. Cause I had a couple of uh, questions. Um, you had mentioned um, arrangements and then you had mentioned, um, you know, when you rehearse with the groups uh, you know, you're singing the background things. So I'm curious as to your process of selecting soloists but also selecting repertoire and where do you go for arrangements? Can you kind of touch base on where you, how you pick your soloists and yep. then the arrangements? Yeah, absolutely. And at first it's daunting. Like, and, and what I found out right at the, the get go, the beginning is just like, I would pick arrangements that were on JW Pepper, like, or, you know, wherever I could find an acapella arrangement, I would just get it and we would do it. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was a good arrangement or a bad arrangement, we just do it. And then I would just assign solos like, you know, whoever wants to do this, just send in a solo or you want to try it today. Um, and what I found with that process was like, sometimes you got lucky, but most of the times you didn't with, with the soloist. And I'm not saying that my, my students were bad singers. I'm saying that like, we all have our own like voice and, and certain songs fit certain students. And Mm -hmm. that's what I had to realize early on. It's like, I kind of, I kind of started shying away from picking a song and then finding my soloist. So what I do now is I really pick my soloist first mm-hmm. and then pick the song. So like what, what I mean by that is um, I let the kids really decide on, on, on what's happening because mm-hmm. like I said, we, we all have different voices. We all do different things. So we now like create um, a, a group chat or we've, we've done a, a, um, a Google spreadsheet where I put all the kids' names in the bottom and, and then they list five songs that they want to sing. Mm-hmm. personally and then five other songs that they think somebody else would do really well and then they put you know obviously they put their five songs that they want to do and then five songs and then they put the kids na- the other the other kids in the group's names next to it which is kind of cool because then the kids are selecting other soloists as well we don't mm-hmm. have animosity between oh she got the solo and i didn't um and guess what 
every kid is every kid going to fill out that doc? No, they may fill out. Here's the songs that I want all these other people to do because, because sometimes you have kids in your group, actually every group that just don't want to be in the limelight. Right. They want to just, they're just okay being in the background. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's fine too. Uh, but, but yeah. And, and and so when they send their soul, like when they write those five songs down or they're sending me solos that they want to do, I said, all right, if you want to do that now, you have to send me that song, but you singing that acapella. Mm -hmm. So then they send me recordings back and, and, uh, I really want to get into, and I've been using Flipgrid a lot with, with my like choirs at school when we're all virtual and stuff. It's just a really great program to just keep them on top of things and rehearse things and see how they're doing. I really kind of actually want to start doing that with, with how I'm selecting music for um, vocal point and selecting soloists. Um, I haven't done it yet, but I think it's a great tool um, by using Flipgrid, then they can send in their solos. Right now, it's been like, oh, text me or send me send me an email of you singing a snippet of whatever. Um, so uh, bottom line is I'll have them send me that solo of them singing and I'll listen to it. And I tell them, like, just because you send in a solo doesn't mean that it fits your voice or doesn't mean it's going to fit the group. So I've, I'm also thinking about, like, OK, is this song really going to fit the entire group? Maybe mm -hmm. this person sounds good on it, but. All right, what's the vibe here? Or if we have too many slow songs, okay, I'm looking for a bunch of up-tempo ones now, you know? Um, I'm looking for some old songs, so you're like something that's going to get the crowd going, you know? Um, right. teenager, teenagers these days just want to do all these, like, depressed, angsty songs, you know? <laughs> Which is fine, like, they want to express themselves too, but we can't have the whole the whole set be that either. So, um, you know, they, they send me songs, and I tell them, like, just because you send something doesn't mean we're going to do it. So I may shoot you down, like, seven or eight, 10, 12, 20 times, you mm -hmm. know, before we find something that, that really hits. So, and, and also what that does is it shows me which kids really want to step up and be a soloist because right. those students will send in 10 or 12 songs. And some of those other kids that one, maybe aren't as dedicated to the solo process. Maybe I hate to say it, not as dedicated to the group, mm -hmm. just, just won't, won't send solos in. And now as an educator, you've already, you've already cross that off your list you don't have to worry about kids fighting right. you'd say well they sent in 20 solos right you know or hey listen to this person sing this song they killed it listen to them and they're like oh yeah you're right they did <laughs> you know and so we kind of go through and we find songs that way and then once i find that song i said all right let's get it arranged now and i know that a lot of educators out there starting groups don't have that luxury of just getting it arranged um so maybe you just go look for it sheet music plus is a great place to start um try to find that piece of music that 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 soloist is is doing if not you know reach out to people on facebook all over the acapella world you know justin myself you know all of the other acapella professionals that are out there right now that if you're listening to this podcast you know where you you've seen them on facebook or you've seen them on social media that's what i did when i was just starting out i didn't know any of these people mm -hmm. and i just messaged them on facebook Hey, do you have an arrangement of this? I really want, you know, I've, I've seen you on Facebook and it looks like you're legit kind of deal. I wouldn't say that, but you know, uh, it, and guess what? Most folks get back to you right away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember the first time I reached out to Deke and I, I didn't know Deke at all. And that mm -hmm. was, uh, before you and I met, cause you and I met at Carnegie hall when we did his first, uh, um, that was, uh, what was that? The total vocal thing at total Carnegie vocal. hall. Yep. And uh, that was even before that. And I just reached out to him. I'm like, what the heck? I'll see, you know, see if he, see if he has such and such an arrangement. And literally within like six hours, he got back to me with the arrangement. He's like, you can have just to have this for free, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and, and I'm not saying everyone's going to hand you their arrangements for free, but Deke's a really, right. a really nice, a nice guy when it comes to that. Um, but uh, there are places, there are places that you can get these arrangements. Um, and uh, if you, and there are also educators out there that know where to get custom arrangements. Mm-hmm. And if you have it within your budget to get a custom arrangement, um, you know, then I, I would, I would suggest going out, reaching out to some of these folks that, that, that do that. And I don't know if you've had some uh, podcasts in the past or upcoming that you are going to talk about um, arrangers and Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those types of things, maybe you can get that out to your audience as well. But um, those arrangers, not only just arrange, you know, uh, custom arrangements, but they have a whole catalog of music that, that if you ask, you know, you could purchase a a tune for cheap from them as well. Most of those are on sheet music plus. Right. Yeah, actually, so, um, a while back, we actually had um, Catherine Bador, we had Brian Sharp, we had uh, Jeff Bratz, we had a couple of people, you know, Brian Sharp actually has arrangements through Alfred Publishing, you yep. can find them on JW Pepper. Catherine does a lot of arrangements for high school and college groups. Uh, Jeff actually used to sing in my professional group with me. And he actually does, um, he does a lot of like reharms on uh, on Christmas carols and things like that. So he does his like own different arranging. So everyone has their own arranging style. You know, I've also contacted Shams before. Um, he has a whole catalog. John Smith is a great arranger. Like all all these people have their own catalogs. Typically, if they've already arranged them, you'll get them at a discount as opposed to creating a custom chart for you like on the spot. And um, so it's always important to like reach out. There's Facebook groups like Arranging and Chill, um, just the Acapella Now group. There's a lot of people on there. Um, you know, these are just some of the resources folks could use to actually um, reach out and get those arrangements. Well, yeah, like so, I said, my, my good, my good friend from Wisconsin. And, and if you're looking at some really great arrangements and a, a good arranger, um, Lee Stovall is, is a really good arranger from Milwaukee uh, uh, area. And um, he's got a lot of stuff on sheet music plus. So if you just go online right now and just look up Lee Stovall on sheet music plus, you'll find a lot of arrangements, a lot of arrangements uh, that he custom arranged for us actually are on there. Um, that that he's selling now on Sheet Music Plus, and when we say discount, you know, a, a, a custom arrangement sometimes can be three to five hundred. Um, sometimes, uh, and when we say a discount, you know, they've already sold that custom arrangement. Now they put it on Sheet Music Plus for in between twenty five and fifty dollars. And if, if you're thinking like, oh, that's still a lot of money, well it's yours. You can make right. as many copies as you want to. You don't have to buy your 50 or your 25 copies or 16 copies. Mm-hmm. It's about the same as paying for about, you know, 16 the same amount of copies. copies. Yeah, it, exactly. exactly. So, uh, yeah, sheet music plus is where it's at with, with, uh, arranging right now for acapella, I think. Absolutely. So you had gone through your process or your rehearsal process, the five steps, uh, you talked about the importance of learning notes and rhythms kind of beforehand, and you made mention of learning tracks and, and things like that. So how do you go about preparing those things for your students beforehand? Sure. Um, at, at first, it was daunting because I was sitting there literally recording tracks with the, like I was recording the piano with me uh, singing one part um, and, you know, trying to click track it together and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, this takes forever. I'm not doing this. And I stopped. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I just, you know, through talking to people and, and, you know, whatever I learned, you know, one, I, I used to, when I would have arrangers arranged for me, I'd just be like, Hey, can you send the voice tracks to me? And they would mm-hmm. send them all out. And then I'm just like, I don't want to wait for them. I want to be able to do it myself. And how do they do it? And I just figured out, I just literally, I just take the MIDI file. Um, for me, and there's different ways you can do this. You can use pro tools. You can use, you know, you can use different things. I use GarageBand. I have a Mac, I have a Mac. Um, so I use GarageBand. I just take the MIDI file of the piece of music and you can just literally uh, drag it into GarageBand and GarageBand will separate all the parts for you. Yep. Um, 
And, and so then I put it in GarageBand and I just pan everything to the right. Uh, and then I take, I turn down all of the, the volumes. Uh, and then I, I like, let's say I'm do, I want to do the soprano track. So everything's to the right, except for the soprano. I move that to the left side and mm-hmm. then I turn the soprano way up and uh, I send that to iTunes. And now it's an MP3 and I put it in a Google drive for the kids. Um, and I create all the tracks just like that. It literally takes me about five minutes a song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got all the voice tracks there right for them. Now it's not someone singing it. And I've had that Lee does that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's helpful to get emotion and all that kind of stuff dynamics, but this is the quick and easy way. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that's, that's how I do. It. I just put it in garage band and, and, and they have their voice track, um, pan to the left. And then the other part of the mix is to the right. So I tell them like, when you're learning it, if you, if you're better at just like taking, take your right ear out and just listen to your part. Okay. And then when you get really good at it, you know, when you kind of get good at it, put the right ear back in. And then when you get really good at it, take your left ear out and see if you can kind of sing over the top of that arrangement. Kids do it all different kinds of ways. Like I said, they all learn different. That's just my suggestion. But um, that's how I go about making those voice tracks. And and now I know some folks out there are like MIDI file, like, what are we talking here? How do we get that? Um, it's just a file that's attached to the actual music that's created. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's the sound file that that's used for any program that creates music, note flight, finale, uh, whatever. Um, uh, but a different type of sound file where you have all the individual voices broken up and stuff. Um, and uh, that's that's easy to get from. If you have a custom arranged, you can just be like, can you send me the MIDI file? Right. Or Lee, Lee arranges on NoteFlight. Um, and that's if, if people don't know what NoteFlight is, um, it, it's just a, it's a really awesome arranging program that it's like a Google Drive for arranging. Yeah, that's um, actually what just, I use. Yeah. Yeah. And all, all my, stu- my students that arrange right now uh, use NoteFlight. Um, I have a NoteFlight subscription for my school and stuff to get kids involved and whatnot. But um, it, because uh, I use NoteFlight, Lee uses NoteFlight, he just sends me the NoteFlight uh, link. And then I go in there and I can take the PDF and I can grab the MIDI file. Um, but if you don't have, if you're not used to that, you can just ask the arranger for the MIDI file. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last thing of some people are probably saying, all right, well, what if I'm not getting a custom arranged and I don't have the MIDI file? Then I say, reach out to the arranger. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Just message them on, on Facebook. That's literally what I do. And I, I, it surprises me how many people forget we have that tool out there. So right. just reach out like, hey, I just bought your tune. It's amazing. Um, this is my process. I just need the MIDI file so I can make voice parts. Guess what? That arranger will be like, awesome. Hope you enjoy the song. Here's the MIDI file. Mm-hmm. Some of them will even just send the parts for you um, right away. You can do that. I've done that with so many just random pieces on JW Pepper, choral pieces even. Just message the the uh, composer arranger, obviously if they're living, right, uh, and uh, <laughs> and and ask for the MIDI file, and I've had great luck, and then I can just break the parts up. That's that's it's really simple once you get the MIDI. Yeah, I, I think what it really comes down to is just you know being open, being vocal um, about getting what you need. Um, Ryan, this has been an enlightening conversation. Um, I'm actually looking forward to using your five-step process, this five-step process that you use in rehearsals uh, with my group uh, very shortly. Um, Ryan Stumkeys, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Aka Education Podcast. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll be right back, everybody. Hey, everyone. This is Justin from the Aka Education Podcast here to tell you about Anchor. Anchor is what I use to create these podcasts, and let me tell you, it's free. 
Uh, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And the beauty of it is we'll distribute the podcast for you. So I can record on Anchor and it's going to send it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all these other places as well. And I love that I can make money from this podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So be sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And welcome back to the Aka Education Podcast. I'm Justin Glodish. I want to take a moment to thank all of you out there who have been listening each week to this podcast. I'm very thankful and I'm very grateful. When I started this podcast, I didn't know how it would be received, but a lot of the feedback I've been getting has been very positive and I cannot thank you enough. I'll be taking next week off to celebrate Thanksgiving with my family. You know, I think it's pretty safe to say that 2020 hasn't been the kindest year to most of us or all of us uh, for that matter, but I hope we can take the time to find peace and solace and comfort with our families and friends as we embark on this year's holiday season. So from me, Justin Glodish here at the Aka Education Podcast, have a safe and healthy and happy Thanksgiving, and I'll be back in a couple weeks. And that does it for episode 17 of the Aka Education Podcast. I want to take a moment to thank Ryan Stumpkees of Gail Ettrick Tremplow High School in Wisconsin for joining me this week talking about efficient rehearsal techniques. Be sure to check out the links in our episode description for resources that we discussed in today's podcast. Check us out on social media, Aka Ed Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. Be sure, if you haven't done so already, to subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified when a new episode is posted every week. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Music Podcasts, and we're also on Anchor. You can also now check us out on Akaville Radio, akaville.org. Feel like donating to support this podcast? Check out the link in the episode description for more information. And last, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the podcast, be sure to email me at akaedpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Justin Glodish. I'll see you soon. <laughs>